Spring is finally here, and for most of us, that's probably a breath of fresh air. There's not only a change in the temperature, but a change in people's moods. Most of us have heard about the winter blues, but do you know where the saying actually comes from? Every year, millions of Americans suffer from mild to severe cases of the winter blues, a condition known as seasonal affective disorder, or what's commonly referred to as SAD. Today on Fordham Conversations, we're joined with Fordham University professor Joan Roberts, who is an expert on SAD, and we're talking about the cause of seasonal depression and the powerful impact light has on our health. So we're here today talking about the winter blues and seasonal depression. How is mood and our mood related to weather, especially during the winter when the weather gets darker and the lighting changes? It isn't so much the weather as the amount of visible light that is going through your eye to the back of your eye to the retina and then passing to a special place to the hypothalamus. It's not for vision but there's a special wavelength of light. It's long blue light that triggers what we call a circadian response. What that means is that your body under certain wavelengths of light, this blue light, will produce neurotransmitters, for instance, dopamine and serotonin. And then in the dark, if you don't have that blue light, will produce melatonin. So light, and dark are very important. And as you know, in the winter, you have less light. In the summer, you have more light. Well, that has a direct effect on your biology, on your physiology, because you're going to have more of this blue light in the summer and less in the winter. And that means that you're not going to make sufficient serotonin and dopamine in the winter. Serotonin's job is to control impulse and to control carbohydrate cravings. Dopamine's job is to make you happy. It's the lust hormone. It's the happiness hormone. It has other functions, but that's one of the major functions of dopamine. If you have sufficient serotonin, you have impulse control. You're not going to eat too many carbohydrates, and uh, you'll be happy, but you also need dopamine to be happy. We need a certain amount of serotonin and dopamine to be balanced. Now, almost every form of depression is caused by a depletion of serotonin and dopamine, any kind of depression. As a matter of fact, how do we know that? Because the pharmaceutical companies produce drugs to relieve depression, major depression, minor depression, that basically increase serotonin and dopamine. Well, so does Mother Nature. So does light. And so in the winter, if we don't have enough light, we don't make enough serotonin and dopamine. And when we don't have those happy neurotransmitters, we're sad. And that's the seasonal affective disorder is how they name it, but just so they can say you got sad. Now, starting in the spring, you may have noticed this week, ah, everybody's happy. It's because finally we have a change in daylight because of the change of the clocks, and we have more daylight because spring is giving us more daylight. And what's actually happening is a change in your brain. Your brain is getting more serotonin, your brain is getting more dopamine, and you're happy. Without 
taking a pill, without taking a drug. This is absolutely only to do with the visible light going through your eye. You know, people are obviously aware that their mood changes during the winter. They feel like more fatigued, slow down. But do you think people realize all the science behind this? No, I don't. And that's part of the problem. I think people think it's um, quote-unquote psychological mm -hmm. because it feels psychological. It's not you. <laughs> it's the chemistry of your brain. And if you have enough light, you won't feel bad. I think when people are sad and depressed, particularly in the winter when they really are only have this light problem, they may be depressed because they're afraid that they're having a quote-unquote major depressive episode, but they're not. And they're so simple walking around, particularly in the morning, between 6 and 10 in the morning. If you can get out in the daylight for any time, an, an hour or a half an hour between those periods of time, that is a very powerful mover of your brain, getting that visible light into your eye, making your brain make do dopamine and serotonin. So even in the cold of winter, you can, no matter where you live, you can find a small amount of time to walk outside in the daylight and get some light. And if people knew that, I think they wouldn't be as depressed. <laughs> Again, the connection to the psychological is they're psychologically depressed because they don't understand they are not depressed. They just are missing some neurotransmitter that could be easily replaced by walking out in the morning in the sunshine. Depression kind of, it comes with like sometimes a bad connotation. People, you know, they think like they're, it's like a weakness. Do you think that people who are experiencing these symptoms during the winter maybe feel like this is a weakness for them? Yes, and that's why it's so important to get the information out that it is not them. They are not falling apart. They are not mentally disturbed. They are missing blue visible light. That's it. And I, I, I have spoken to many people about this. And once they understand the chemistry, even that relieves a lot of their depression because it relieves a lot of the fear. And so once you've removed the fear and say, oh, wait a minute. I can be treated. I don't have to take a drug. I just need the right amount of light. At the right time of day, though, that's very important. What is the right time of day? Can you break that down for us? When the sun is rising, it has a lot of light in the blue visible region. And that is in the morning. Okay? And that's when our bodies have learned over thousands of years to respond in the morning by making serotonin and dopamine. Now. The other part is very important. You don't want that blue light as the day progresses, especially late in the afternoon and early evening, because that blue light now is damaging um, because it's waking up a part of the brain that you don't want to awaken. What you want to be able to do later is to make melatonin, and that blue visible light absolutely blocks the production of melatonin, which means you won't sleep through the night, which means then you'll be fatigued. So it's just as important sometime between 6 a.m. and 10 a.m. to get some blue visible light. And then it's not very effective in the middle of the day. And then to make sure you get rid of the blue light later. So the, you need to have really two sets of lighting. 
if you don't have daylight available to you. You need a lot of blue, what they call cool LEDs now have blue in the morning. But you cannot have that on all day or you'll disrupt your sleep in the evening. So then you need what they call warm LEDs or actually, in spite of what has been said against the incandescent light bulb, it turns out that's the perfect lighting for the afternoon. At night, you have to remove all blue. You have to remove all blue light in the bedroom. That includes computers, gadgets, toys, <laughs> everything, uh, TVs, because the, it really requires very, very little bit of this blue light to totally block the production of melatonin. If you don't have melatonin, you don't sleep. And if you don't sleep, then that brings up other diseases and disorders. So, I mean, it's very serious to have the right light in the morning, and it's equally serious to not have that blue light in the evening. Both affect human health. Now, melatonin, does that affect SAD? Well, it turns out that melatonin, which is made in the evening in the dark, is made from serotonin. So serotonin undergoes a change in its chemistry to make melatonin. In the blue light, you make serotonin, and then you use that serotonin later in the evening to make melatonin. So the short answer is, although it's the, some research going on now that actually suggests that, from the chemistry, yes, I would say. You have to have the right amount of melatonin in the evening, and then later it seems to enhance the production of serotonin in the morning. They're both made from tryptophan. Tryptophan then makes serotonin. Tryptophan is an amino acid that you have in milk. That, in the blue light, makes serotonin. But then you have, in the dark, a change in the enzymes that make melatonin. So that's why the darkness and the light will help you have this balance of serotonin and melatonin. Is this, does this come up in a lot of research? Because when I was you know, doing my own research, a lot of articles didn't mention this. Well, I'm an organic chemist. <laughs> so I come at both the light in the eye and light in the brain from a chemistry point of view that most people who study this are not chemists. So they, it's just that they don't understand the organic chemistry that's going on and the biochemistry that's going on. You know, it's this field, I don't mean to be critical because this field is totally interdisciplinary. To totally understand everything of seasonal depression and circadian rhythm, you need to know physics, you need to know chemistry, you need to know biology, you need to know medicine, you need to know ophthalmology, and a little pinch of neuroscience. And when you put all of those fields together, then you get these direct answers. So that's why sometimes someone might know the psychology of depression or seasonal depression, but they don't know the physics of the light, or they may know the chemistry, but they don't know the biology. So um, you have to go across several fields to totally understand. So it's understandable that people may not know all of the factors that go into seasonal depression. That's what got me so interested in it, because to, to see a person, I've actually worked with seasonal depressed patients, to see a person that is absolutely depressed. I mean, that, that from the symptoms, you wouldn't think they were different than someone who's going through a severe, severe depression. And you put them in proper 
lighting, and the depression is relieved without a pill. I mean, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's amazing. When, when was this disorder recognized? Is it fairly new? Because at first, people were skeptical of it. Well, the real push for the treatment and understanding of seasonal depression started about, about 1990. It is still new. You know how I, I started? I had been working on damage of light to the eye. And then I went to London for a sabbatical. And I had heard just before I left something about this. Seasonal depression may have something to do with light through the eye. Well, that's my field. And I went to London and I got depressed. <laughs> but as a typical scientist, one part of my brain was getting tired and depressed. And the other part of my brain was going, that's amazing. <laughs> I have to go home and study it. And that's what I did. That's when I started studying it because I knew for a fact I was my own in vivo experiment. I knew for a fact it worked. So, yeah, that's when we started looking at this. That's when I personally started looking at this. But um, at that time, they didn't understand this new research. So let me explain the new research that is involved in seasonal depression. We have parts of our eyes that are called rods, and their job is to help you see at night. So a certain amount of light goes to the rods. It helps you see at night. You can't see colors. You basically see shadows. Then we have another part of the eye called the cones, and they allow you to see in color, and they're for daylight. But just as all the ancients had, had thought before, we have a third eye. In other words, there's a third place in the eye that take light, and they have nothing to do with vision. It goes straight to what we call the hypothalamus, which is part of the brain that controls a lot of hormones. And so that research, which was um, supported by NASA, NASA supported all of this lighting research way before the National Institute of Health, right? Because they were sending the astronauts to Mars. They were going to be in um, a cabin a rocket ship for a year, and so they had to get the lighting properly done. Otherwise, the people could be sick, you know. Um, so they had to study light and uh, its effect in the body, and they found out it was in the eye. And uh, they were after that, many other people were able to look at all the different responses and look at the exact mechanism and the exact place where this light was coming. One of the big answers came from realizing that people that were blind but still had an optic nerve were still having circadian rhythm. So that it had to be someplace else, not the rods, not the cones, and it is. So now, all of the new research is about this third eye, all of the research having to do with circadian rhythm, which then is directly related to seasonal depression, is how is that turned on in the morning and how is that turned off at night? what hormones and neurotransmitters are turned on in the morning and which neurotransmitters are turned on at night. Today on Fordham Conversations, we're joined with Fordham University professor Joan Roberts, who is an expert on SAD, and we're talking about the cause of seasonal depression and the powerful impact light has on our health. With seasonal depression, are different people more susceptible to it? Or, or no, does it just the lighting affect anyone? Well, there's two 
um, factors that are involved in seasonal, uh, being sensitive to seasonal depression. One is genetic and one is environmental. Now there are seasonal depression genes, they're called clock genes, and you may have one more active or less active. So that means that you're genetically more at risk for being sensitive to seasonal depression. But there is something that's much more powerful, and that's the environment you grew up in. If you are in a place like Florida where you have a lot of light and you have spent your first three years of life in a very lighted environment, then your eyes and your pupils the muscle that opens them up and closes your pupils, are set so that you close them. That is, you don't want to have too much light come in. And that muscle is set in the first three years of life. But suppose you move to New York. And now, I mean, just New York, and we have a lot of sunshine, you know. But you don't even have to move to Alaska. Just moving to New York is sufficient for someone to get seasonal depression because they're not getting enough light in. The muscle will not open up the pupil for the amount of light that's for New York. And the same thing happens if you're born in a dark place like London or Alaska where you're not getting a lot of light. You'll open up your pupil more in response to light. But then if you move someplace like Florida or Italy or someplace where they have a lot of sunshine, it can actually damage your eye because you're letting too much light in. So it's really interesting. It's one of the few really environmental diseases, and uh, it is where you were born, in the first, uh, particularly in the first three years of life. So people who do move and experience certain symptoms, what do they feel like when this happens? Well, if someone was uh, from Florida and they moved to New York, they are going to have seasonal depression. They're going to be tired. They're going to be anxious. They're going to be uh, depressed. And it's all because they're not getting enough sunlight in the winter where previously they were getting it, you know. But it can actually, the opposite can happen. If someone was born in Alaska and moves to Florida, they could get too much light in the winter. And now they can get what's called seasonal mania. In this case, it's sort of like a psychotic effect. It looks like um, seasonal depression and seasonal mania almost look like manic depression. Um, one is you're too agitated, and in the other case, you're too depressed. And it's really the chemistry of the brain that is causing this, whether you're making too much serotonin and dopamine or you're making too little. How, how do we fight this? How do we you know, compensate for these differences in light and these changes, especially like during the change in season? Well, there is light therapy, but I want to put a big warning on that, all right? Previously, they used uh, a bank of fluorescent lights, and fluorescent lights do not have sufficient circadian blue light in them to really change the chemistry of the brain, or it will happen, but it will take a long time. So someone has to stare directly at this big light box for maybe two hours to really get a powerful effect, and that has to be done very early in the morning. Now, as they found out about this third eye and found out that blue light, long blue light, was the real powerful trigger of circadian response, the... Um, Psychologists, psychiatrists, lighting designers decided to try 
using blue LEDs or other blue lights? Well, as you might expect, it worked. Yes, and they didn't have to stay in front of the blue LED for more than 15, 20 minutes. Well, now we're more efficient. There was a major problem. And of course, I understand this because I study damage to the eye as well as positive effects. The short blue that was coming out of the LEDs is triggering a response that increases your risk for macular degeneration. In other words, if you have... You only need the long blue to trigger a circadian response, but if you add to that the short blue, you are going to exchange depression for blindness. It's not a good equation. But it's relatively easy to prevent that problem. Either the manufacturers could finally cover up the blue LEDs to remove light, blue light below 450 nanometers, which you don't need for circadian response and or you can put glasses on. For instance, there are eagle eye glasses um, that is invented by NASA that cut most of the short blue light out, and you can still get the other light, um, longer blue light to change your brain to help you get rid of the depression. So light therapy is so wonderful. To see it work is, is just amazing. To see someone come out of a deep depression without a drug is exciting. However, if it's done improperly, it can actually blind you. So it's a very, very, uh, light is very powerful drug, and it really can have a positive and negative effect. So you have to know what you're doing before you do it. Do you think people are aware of these warnings? Not only are people not aware of these warnings, psychologists and psychiatrists that are suggesting that the people sit under that blue light are not aware of it. And that's part of the reason I give talks to try to get the word out. The long blue is wonderful, will cure you of depression. The short blue is damaging to the retina and can lead you to transient or permanent blindness. I have two questions right now. One, how does it work? And two, where do you purchase these light boxes? Okay, well, that's part of the problem is that, um, uh, you know, you can just purchase them over the Internet, you know, with or without a prescription, with or without counseling from a psychologist who may or may not know about damaging blue light. Once you purchase this light box, <laughs> do, you, do you just plug it in and kind of sit in front of it and stare at the light? Yes, um, but it... it, it you only need it for 15 minutes. I wouldn't use it any more than that, no matter what the manufacturer says, I wouldn't. And second, you need to do it in the morning. The closer to between 6 and 10 a.m., the closer to 6 and 8, but if you don't want to get up in the morning, you can still have a powerful effect. But that's when it really is happening. Around 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock is when your brain wakes up and is ready to make serotonin and dopamine so the so it's a shorter time that you need to be in front of the light box because you're doing it at the right time doing it at 12 noon is almost useless and I mean those are real scientific studies where they've studied you know what time of day does this work and it really really works very early from 6 to 10. Would you say that this light therapy is the best form of treatment for seasonal depression and can it also be used to prevent it as well? Oh, it's definitely the best form if you do it properly and you remove the bad blue light. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, 
safer than taking any antidepressant drug. It's really, I mean, it's, do, it's giving you back what you're missing. You know, whenever you're, even in pharmacology, they, you try to have the proper drugs that give you what you're missing, not add on top of that. Or, even better, even safer, you get up in the morning and walk outside. When the sun comes up, you walk outside for a half an hour, and your eyes will get sufficient blue light. So you don't even need the light box. Just get up in the morning and go for a walk. <laughs> it's as simple as a walk. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and plus, there's something called subseasonal depression. So although only about 5% of New Yorkers have real hardcore seasonal depression, 15% um, more, so that's 20% of New Yorkers, and we have a lot of light, have subseasonal depression, which means you are a little fatigued. You crave carbohydrates. That has to do with the serotonin. You uh, are tired and a little depressed, but not ser seriously depressed. But you are off. Yeah, that's subseasonal depression. And everybody then, with subseasonal depression, you in New York, as they said, you can get up, whenever the, find out when the sun rises, go for a walk for a half an hour, and it'll, you'll help your heart and you'll help your brain. How many Americans does seasonal depression affect? Well, it really depends on whether you're north or south. Um, in Florida, only 2% of the population has, have seasonal depression, whereas 10% in New Hampshire have it. So it's, it's latitude. It's the more south you go, the more light you have. The more light you have, the more uh, you are naturally being treated for winter depression. Another thing I wanted to talk about more, it, does seasonal depression, does it, does it just automatically disappear when it just gets nicer out? Or are there, you know, kind of lasting effects? What you're doing is slowly increasing the serotonin and dopamine. It's supposed to be a slow process, but when you have these spurts of all of a sudden we have sunlight and we have uh, spring weather, almost summer weather, whereas last week we had winter, then you can have a more powerful effect. But really, it's a gradual, gradual change. As you change more light and have more light during the day, then you have more uh, serotonin and dopamine. So theoretically, it should be a smooth change. What about the mania and how this could be potentially negative or bad for some people with the extreme fluctuation in weather? Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, most people talk about seasonal depression, and I think they're unaware of or haven't seen seasonal mania. But again, it's the people that were uh, raised in dark their pupils are wide open, and it usually happens when they either visit someplace that's extremely sunny, particularly right after the winter, um, where their body's not used to this squirt of sunlight and therefore this enhanced amount of dopamine and serotonin. What happens is the carrier of the serotonin um, gets depleted by this enhanced light. So you're making the serotonin, but it's the carrier is wrong. Meanwhile, the dopamine is over the top. It's too much. So the people can actually, it's, it's a violent, suicidal depression that some people go through by having the too much light, too quickly, too much of a change, particularly someone that's used to being uh, in a dark climate, going someplace where they have ex excessive light. There's something else. Sometimes the same blue light uh, is, uh, causes um, not necessarily mania, but migraine headaches. You will notice that a lot of people who have migraine headaches will go into the dark, 
especially when the migraine headache starts. And that very often happens, even more than the seasonal mania, to people that have this, were raised in a darker climate and move someplace, or even for the week, to go on a vacation, let's say, in Florida or Italy or India or someplace where there's a lot of light, they start getting headaches. So um, it doesn't have to go directly into mania, which is very serious and is involved in uh, violent suicide, but it can be even a minor change like that can start giving people headaches. And maybe some people think that they have an allergy to pollen, and maybe they don't. Maybe they just have these headaches because they're now all of a sudden having too much light. Is this, would you, would you say seasonal depression is almost like a vicious cycle? I mean, once the summer ends and the sunshine, you know, kind of fades away. Absolutely. For those people that are sensitive to it, and they even get a, an anticipatory depression. I've talked to many people. That's not chemical. That's, that is psychological because they know that in three weeks, you know, sometime around the end of August, they start getting anxious and depressed ahead of the seasonal depression because they know this is going to come. This, that's very common it's if, if you want the pre-seasonal depression, panic, because they know they're going to feel badly. What do you recommend for people then? What, what can we take away from all this? Well, first and foremost, if you're sensitive to it, then you do need the light box, but you need to protect your eyes, and then you can do it properly. And second, everyone will get a little bit of seasonal depression. And so I recommend they get up, even if they don't. I'm not a morning person, but I've started to listen to my own research. Um, everyone should get up early whenever. Find out when the sun's rising in your place, like in New York, and uh, walk out for half an hour in the sunshine, as they said. That, that will help delay any of the seasonal depression. This has been Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Katie Fisher.